as we begin this morning, first of all, I want to just start with a couple of announcements. The first is one to say thank you to all of our veterans. Yesterday was the day that we officially observed as Veterans Day. I know we have a number of veterans throughout our congregation this morning. I want to take just a moment to ask you, if you are here this morning and you are a veteran, would you please stand just a moment so we can recognize your service to our country? Amen. Thank you so much for your service. And I want to make you aware of one other thing this morning, too, before I get to the sermon. Today is also the day that is recognized throughout the Southern Baptist Convention, and it's known as Orphans and, and Widows Sunday. And it is so very important that we do not forget orphans. It is so important that we do not forget widows. And this is the day that is set aside that we focus on them. And you know, one of the things that I, that I thought of is that as I have been praying for what should we do for Orphans and Widows Sunday, and I think the answer to that, it should be the same thing that we do every other day of the year. You know, most Sundays as we leave here, I will say something like, I pray that we never miss an opportunity to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And guess what? When we are talking about orphans and widows, we have a big opportunity to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Not just one day of the year, but 365 days of the year. We have a responsibility to serve them and serve them well. And I pray that we will do just that. Now, as we begin this morning, we are concluding the journey that we began on October 1st of this year that took us through the book of Second Peter. We're going to be in chapter 3 this morning, beginning with verse 10 and going through the end of the chapter. And I would invite you to go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Second Peter chapter 3 and find verse 10. And as you're doing that, I want to remind you that this book is written by Peter in the same general time frame as he wrote the book of First Peter, uh, somewhere between AD 60 and AD 67. And most people believe that he wrote Second Peter near the end of that time frame, just shortly before he was martyred. And then the overall theme that is very, very important as we make our way through this book is this, that believers, true believers in Jesus Christ should continue faithfully in the truth as we await the second coming of Jesus Christ. I I want us to hear that one more time. It is important. True believers of Jesus Christ should continue faithfully in the truth as we await for the second coming of Jesus. And sometimes people will ask, so how do I know what's true? You know, we live in a society that will tell you almost anything. But folks, here's how we know what's true. This is the truth. It is the inspired, it's the inerrant Word of God. It is, it's true from cover to cover. It's never changed. It's never going to. It is never going to change. So that is how we know what the truth is. And we can only continue faithfully in the truth if we know what this book says. And we will be talking more about that here in just a few minutes. So if you are physically able to stand this morning, I want to invite you to stand with me as we honor the reading of God's Word. Again, Second Peter chapter 3, beginning with verse 10. 
But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And then the heavens will pass away with a roar. And the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved. And the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promises, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction, as they do the other scriptures. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, Take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. But, but, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for the reading of your word. Thank you for the opportunity for us to gather this morning as believers. And Father, now I pray that you will bless the reading of your word. I pray that you will hide me behind your cross. Lord, I pray that your anointing will be upon me from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. Lord, I pray that I will preach you and you crucified. Father, I pray that you will open ears to hear. Pray that you will open minds to understand. I pray that you will open hearts to receive. Father, I pray that we will see you do great and mighty things in this place today. And Father, I pray specifically right now for any who are here that do not know you as your Lord and Savior. Father, I pray that today will be the day that your convicting power will fall. And I pray that we will see salvation in this place today. And I pray that you will be forever glorified. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now, the title of this morning's message is going to sound familiar. It's like a thief in the night. Like a thief in the night. And you'll remember that that's exactly what the last sermon title was. You know, it would have been good to have been able to have covered the entirety of chapter 3 in one setting, but it just wasn't possible not in to do the verses justice. But you might remember me saying last time, if a thief were going to break into your house, they're probably not going to call and schedule that with you, are they? They're not going to call. They're going to want to catch you off guard. It's not going to be a situation where the thief would call and say, hey, would tonight be a convenient time for me to break in your house? We, they're just not going to do that. And Peter tells us that when Jesus comes back, it will be like a thief in the night. We're not going to expect it. Nobody knows when it is going to happen. It could be at any moment. 
Jesus is not going to call you ahead of time and say, hey, can you work me in your schedule? I'd like to come back to the earth for my second coming today. He's not going to do that. He's going to come back on that appointed day, time, hour, down to the second that we don't know when it is. But let me tell you, it could be today. It could be today. So we better be ready. Now, one of the things that we're going to see in this morning's text is that as followers of Christ, our lives should be a reflection of Christ. And our lives should honor Him every day of the week. So I want to stop right now and just ask the question, is that a true statement for your life this morning? Do our lives reflect Christ in all of our dealings, Monday through Sunday? Are are our lives a reflection of Christ? Monday through Sunday, do our lives honor Him? That's the expectation for true followers of Jesus Christ. Now, verse 10, I included in in the last sermon as well, but I included it in this morning's sermon. I think I may have lost my connection. That's okay. Miss Karen, would you mind to run this, just run the slides for me? Thank you very much. I'm on slide number 11. Let me give her just, there, there she goes. She's got it up there already. Thank you. Miss Karen, but I included verse 10 in in this sermon this morning. I wanted us to have a a really good starting place for this particular message. So I want you to know this morning when Jesus comes back, it's going to be major. It is going to be major. It will be unexpected to many. The text says the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved in the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed, will be exposed. Now, throughout the years, many of you have heard me say several times, both behind this pulpit and also in front of it, sometimes people are incredibly gifted at hiding things or shielding things from others. But I want to say one more time this morning, there's not one of us that is good enough to hide anything or to shield anything from Jesus Christ. He sees all and he knows all. The works that are done on this earth will be exposed. Notice that the text does not say they might be exposed. It says they will be exposed. Again, he sees all. He knows all. Are we ready to give an account for everything that is in our lives right now? So as Christians, as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, since we know what will happen when the day of the Lord comes, how should we be living our lives now? Well, the end of verse 11 there that's on the screen, it gives us, it gives us a hint at what we're going to be discussing, holiness and godliness. Those are two qualities that are to be on display in our lives at all times. But I want to give you just a little more detail on this new heaven and this new earth. John writes about it in the book of Revelation, chapter 21, and we'll go to the next screen, uh, the next slide now. Excuse me, let's go to verse, um, excuse me, verse, 
Well, I keep saying verse, slide 17. We're going to be looking at Revelation chapter 21 beginning with verse 1. And John is describing this new heaven and the new earth. He says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. Won't that be wonderful? Won't that be wonderful when that happens? And let me tell you, here's the short answer to it. For those who are truly in Christ, yes, it will be wonderful. Yes, it will be wonderful when we see Jesus face to face and there is no more death, there's no more mourning, there's no more crying for the former things have passed away. For those who are truly in Jesus Christ, that will be a wonderful time. For those people who Jesus described has have entered the narrow gate, the one that is hard to find, where the way is difficult, but the way leads to eternal life. For those people, yes, it is going to be wonderful. But for everybody else, there will be nothing wonderful about it. There will be absolutely nothing wonderful about it. It will be eternal torment. So again, for those who are truly in Christ, how should we live our lives now knowing that the day of the Lord will come? Well, on our next slide, we see that verse 14 tells us, Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him, how? Without spot or blemish and at peace. That's the expectation, church. That is the expectation. We are to be without spot or blemish. And we are to be at peace. And let me just tell you, that's only possible in and through blood of Jesus Christ. That is how that is possible. But I've got to stop and ask you the question this morning. As you evaluate your life right now, would you say that your life is without spot? Would you say that your life is without blemish? Would you say that you're at peace? That's the expectation. And again, it's only possible in and through Jesus Christ. As we go to the next slide, you've heard me say many times that the Bible is true from cover to cover. In fact, I start, that's how I started this message this morning. The Bible is true from cover to cover. People try to change the Bible all the time. They cannot do it. They cannot do it. It is God's holy Word. It will not change. It has not changed. It will never change. It is the inspired and inerrant Word of God. And I want to tell you one other thing. The Bible does not contradict itself either. It does not contradict itself. Remember, we've got to take Scripture in its entirety when we are looking at it to see what it says about a a certain subject. 
instead of isolating a few words or maybe a verse or two of Scripture and trying to make it say something that it was never intended to say. So maybe this morning you're sitting there thinking, what are you talking about? I want to just give you an example. One of the most quoted verses of Scripture is this, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Now, that's a beautiful verse. But let's talk for a few minutes about what the all things are not. You know, that verse says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Well, can you live a life of sexual immorality and expect that that's okay with God? No, you cannot. Well, isn't that an all thing? Yes. But is that what this verse is talking about? No, it's not. It is not. That's just one example. I could give you examples all day long. But when we take the Bible in its entirety and apply it to that verse, then we see that the all things become those all things that are pleasing to God. There's a big difference in that. And the all things that a lot of people try to justify today by using that particular verse of Scripture. And then we see here in this verse, in these verses that are on the, the screen right now, that Peter is reminding the readers that Paul also made the very same point that Peter is making right now. And I think it's interesting one thing that Peter points out in these verses that are on the screen right now. Just in layman's term, he's saying some of the stuff that Paul writes about is difficult to understand. That's what he's saying. And if you've read the entirety of Paul's work, you know he's telling the truth. Some of what Paul has written about, it is hard to understand. And I want to tell you something this morning. Even though portions of the Bible may be hard to understand. That is not an excuse not to read the Bible. It's not. And I'm going to tell you, sometimes when I'm talking to people, I will ask them the question, so how is your time with the Lord? How's your scripture reading going? Many times I have heard throughout the last several years a response something like this. You know, I just can't understand the Bible, so I don't read it. Can I just tell you that's a dangerous excuse? A dangerous, dangerous excuse. Most of the time when somebody gives a response to me like that, I will ask a follow-up question. Well, tell me exactly what you're doing in order to try to understand God's Word better. How hard are you trying? There are some things in the Bible that are difficult to understand, but hear me again when I say that is not an excuse not to read the Bible. Dig in God's Word. Spend quality time in God's Word. Now, I'm going to give you an example this morning. During my personal educational journey from kindergarten through the completion of my doctorate, that period of time spanned almost 23 years. During that time, there were a good number of books that I had to read that were not easy to understand. They were not easy to understand, but guess what? I knew what the expectation was. I was going to have to understand it or I would not pass the class. So what did I have to do? I had to dig in. I had to do research in some cases. I had to ask questions 
But I knew what the expectation was. And I did it in order to be able to understand. Perhaps you've had a situation similar to what I have just described. Maybe it was a class at any level that you found the material difficult. And you knew in order to pass the class, you were going to have to do some serious work in order to understand the material. If you passed the class, you probably were willing to do the work. Perhaps it's at your job. Many times an employment manual or policies and procedures, they contain things in them that are sometimes difficult to understand. Most people will spend the necessary time in order to understand what's in those documents because they know that if they don't, they could lose their job. Now, some of you have already seen through the point that I'm making, which is that there is a penalty in every one of those situations for not doing the appropriate work to understand. So perhaps you're asking yourself the question this morning, so what exactly is the penalty for someone who makes the intentional decision of, I'm not going to read God's Word because I don't understand it? As gently as I can say that this morning, I think at a very minimal it would indicate spiritual immaturity. And I'm afraid it would also reveal the true condition of the heart. If we will dig into God's Word, seriously, it will come alive to us. And that becomes very important for this next point that Peter is making. He says that those difficult portions of Scripture and the rest of the Scriptures in general, these false teachers are twisting them. They are finagling the Scriptures. You know, if we don't know what the Scriptures say, how will we know whether or not the teaching is sound? We've got to dig in to God's Word. Now, on these false teachers, whether it's the ones that Peter is referring to here or whether it's false teaching that occurs today, hear me when I say this. The day's coming for those people. It is coming. There is a day that's coming. They are going to stand before Jesus Christ, and they will give an account for those things that they've done. And on that day, it will not be funny. Not at all. It's not going to be pleasant. But you know, we're also going to stand before Jesus one day and give an account for things in our life. I wonder this morning what might be in our lives right now that would not be pleasant to give an account for. And as we go to that final slide this morning, Peter tells the readers in layman's terms, you're aware of all this. Don't fall for these false teachers. Instead, verse 18, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So how do we do that? We dig into God's Word. We pray. We pray seriously. When we pray, we pray knowing that He hears us. And we know that if we're praying in accordance with God's will, He's going to answer He is going to answer. Let me ask you a question. When we pray, do we pray expecting that He's going to answer? Do we pray expecting? You know, I love that we're doing the 40 days of prayer right now. And my prayer is that we're taking it seriously. 
Because if we're not, let me tell you, we're gonna, we'll get to the end of 40 days and it will just have been a nice exercise that we've done if we're not taking it seriously. Church, there's power in prayer. We must pray believing. And when we do that, we will grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. The invitation this morning is really simple. First of all, it's to the lost, to anyone who is hearing my voice right now that does not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Remember, your life could end today. Jesus could come back today. Are you ready to stand before him face to face? If the answer to that is no, it truly is as simple as I have said so many times. Just like we teach children in Bible school, the ABCs of salvation, we have to be willing to admit that we're a sinner, that there are things in our life that do not please God. And I think it was Adam this morning that pointed out that those things in our life that do not please God, when we miss the mark, those things are called sin. We've got to be willing to admit that. We've got to believe that Jesus is God's Son. That everything that the Bible says about him is true. That he loved us so much that he was willing to go to the cross and die for us. He physically died. He was removed from the cross. He was buried. And on the third day, he rose again. That's why we celebrate Easter. But he didn't stay dead. He rose again on the third day, and that is phenomenal news. That is phenomenal news. I wonder, do you know him today? And then the C stands for confess. Yes, we confess that Jesus is Lord, but we also confess our sins. And that includes a, a repenting and turning. Of, of the three ABCs, the C is definitely the hardest to do. It's the hardest, but can I tell you this morning, it is so worth it. It is so worth it. Perhaps this morning you're here and you are in Christ. If that's you, praise God for that. Praise God for that. But perhaps that you, you have noticed this morning throughout the sermon that possibly there's things in your life that you just need to lay at the feet of Jesus Christ. If that describes you this morning, I pray that you will come. Kneel at the feet of Jesus. Kneel at the cross. And let me tell you, he will meet you there. Just like that old song that we used to sing when I was growing up, kneel at the cross, Jesus will meet you there. He will, I promise you, that he will. Perhaps you have some other need this morning. Whatever the need is, I invite you to come. Jesus is here. I want you to meet him. You will never be the same. Just like the woman that reached out and touched the hem of his garment. Her life was never the same. Neither will ours be once we've had a true encounter with Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me, please? Father, I thank you so much for bringing us to your house today. Father, I thank you just for being able to read your word, to preach your word this morning. What I pray now, during this time of invitation, what I pray that 
that you will move mightily. Lord, I just pray that the, the Holy Spirit will fall fresh upon this place. Lord, I pray that we will see you save the lost. Lord, I pray that we will see you set the captive free. Lord, I pray that we will see you break chains, whether that's of addiction or anything else. Lord, I pray that if chains are binding someone this morning, Lord, I pray that you will break those chains and just simply set the captives free. Lord, I pray that you will just do the exceedingly more that our minds can even think to ask or imagine. Lord, for the things that you'll do, we'll give you praise, honor, and glory for it all. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.